Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Marky Ozimit. I'm the mom to two boys, 12 and 7, and middle school teacher and writer. Welcome to the seventh episode of Two Lit Mamas. Oh my God, seven episodes. Look at us go. We're so impressive. Okay. We, we hope we're opening your eyes to the enormous world of Kidlet. I know it's opening my eyes. For oh my sure. God. Every day I get on to look for something. I'm like, whoa, I had no idea this existed. I know there's so many fun options out there and it's been so much fun to wade through them together. So anyway, in this episode, we're going to talk about our favorite cozy mystery series. But before we get started, hey, Marks, how have you been? Well, um, I'm hot. I determined today that like um, being fat and hot again is like not a, not a joy. <laughs> Honest to God in the last, I spent the last hour swimming with the boys in the pool, which is about, like, I think it's like 12 foot wide and three foot deep, but you know what? It's all you really need. All you need is a three foot pool because it's a good time. Yeah. So we've been doing that. We went blueberry picking the other day, which was epic. Um, that's like such a New England thing, and everybody does it here. And then everybody makes what is? It's a Midwest thing too. I rem- I love like blueberry huge, picking. There's all these blueberry cocktails and things that are have been on the, like you know all the cooking shows and everything. So, um, so we've made lots of blueberry desserts. <laughs> and meanwhile, okay, so it was my husband's first time going. And then he confessed like five minutes into it when it was hot and everything else. And he's like, yeah, I've never had blueberries before I came to America and I don't really like them. (laughs) (laughs) This was also after we had like five, six pounds of blueberries. So yeah, we're never going to get Alzheimer's because that's what. Well, you should figure out a recipe to use your Doritos and your blueberries. (laughs) All the Doritos that he's bought. Yeah. Yeah. To go with our blueberries. That'd be a taste sensation. I'm sure. (laughs) Oh my God. What have you been doing? Um, well, I've been stressing over back to school stuff, but I really kind of don't want to think about that right now. No, you should get a pool. You should go get one and blow it up and put it in your backyard. And no one knows. No one needs to know that you have older kids. No one needs to know. Oh, that. no. I was just talking to my sister about this yesterday, actually, about how I, I was thinking about doing that. Just getting it. Because my neighbor did that. She bought it for her dog to keep her dog cooled in the summer. Mm-hmm. And then her dog wouldn't use it. And so she got in it one day because they couldn't go to Florida or do anything fun. See? So she sat in her little pool. And I'm like, that's what I should do. You should. Yes. Because all you need is, is, as long as it's deep enough to put your little floaty in, like my yeah. I get my look like yesterday. All four of us got in there yesterday. We were in there all yesterday <laughs> afternoon and the kids were floating and I had my floaty and my margarita and my oh, husband had his beer. Like and it was just heaven. I mean, it's been super hot. Even it's like too hot to go to the ocean, even though our ocean is freezing here in Massachusetts, but it's, and it's crowded sometimes and I just still get nervous. So everybody, you just like to say ocean in front of me. Cause I don't even have that. Option. I know. <laughs> I know, but we have giant jellyfish in them. Does that count? We were thinking about going to Lake Michigan. Does that count? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, should we do it? Yeah, let's get going. So for episode seven of Tulip Mamas, we'll be discussing our new favorite genre, middle grade cozy mysteries. So let's get started. disclosure. Um, I'm totally new to the mystery world. Not totally. I would say like two years ago, I started reading a couple at Christmas time because I found this one writer that does like 
holiday themed mysteries. And I was like, oh, these are really fun. Well, it's like the Hallmark Channel. Right. And like a, a large hunk of cozy mysteries are set in New England. So I was like, well, this is fun and relatable and helped me kind of like get my feet wet when we first got here. And then um, the world blew up this year, as you all know, um, thanks 2020. And I was like, I can't read anything. So I'll go with murder. I think that's easy. Um, but like a good cozy mystery where there's not, it's not like, it's not stressful. It's not su- suspenseful. You have these likable characters in a cute little, like a lot of them have recipes, which I love. Oh, um, of course. You know, and we always love a recipe in a book. Hello. That's yes, we that's do. We are. Um, so I got really addicted to them. And then of course you turned me on to the visual media of cozy mysteries. Thank you, BBC and acorn TV and all of those. And then I got obsessed And now I have this like freakish obsession with cozy mysteries and I'm devouring them. Maybe it's just because I'm old now and old ladies do that. Maybe I should start knitting on top of it. I don't know. But yeah, I'm totally, I'm I'm like all in on the cozy mystery. And I really, honest to God, I tried to read, I I read one other mystery this summer so far that wasn't like not in the cozy category because there were transvestites and blood and a lot of murder, but I couldn't really, I was like, "Mm, yeah, I'd like to go back to my ladies with big cookies. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't want cops. I, I don't want, like, all the drama. I don't want, like, the, you know, I just want the ladies that are baking cookies and happen upon a dead body and then miraculously have all the answers. That's what That's I want. Right. Because they're super observant, like all women are. Right. right. And now I understand why everyone watched Murder, She Wrote in the 80s. Oh, stop. Okay. So that leads into me because I have to say, I have been in love with cozy mur- murder mysteries since the 80s. Because you were old before your time. When I was cool, you were old. (laughs) I know. So I'm like, normally I'm talking about books from the 90s and the early 2000s. And now I'm taking you back even later, showing my age here. Look at your shawl and your cup of tea. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, I almost made a cup of tea just to get into character for this episode. But anyway, so my love of cozy mysteries started, didn't start with books, I have to say. I'm not a, so you probably know more about the books than I do. But it started with PBS's Masterpiece Mysteries. And I can still picture their awesomely creepy intro with the skulls when I was a kid. Oh my gosh, I love that. And of course, back then you only got a show like once a week. Once a week, yeah. Like I was watching Dallas and you were watching Masterpiece (laughs) Mysteries. It was, yes. It says a lot about us, yeah. I know it does. So like, even though you're new to the books, you probably know more about that, the whole classification stuff than I do. Yeah, but you got the old school. And even like the Agatha Christie, my friend, John, who was on our last podcast, PS, he was like, okay, girl, now that you're finally on the train that the rest of us have been on for years and years, um, you need to go back and read Agatha Christie. So I think I should probably do that. I feel like, yeah, I feel like you have to, it's like going back to read Shakespeare when you get into theater or something like that. You got to go back and read like the Grand Dame. For sure. So I guess I'll go. All right. Well, speaking of classifications, I was online because I was like, uh, the whole, because the whole concept was new to me, like cozy mysteries. I'm like, well, what's a cozy mystery as opposed to just like a murder mystery or anything. So a cozy mystery, our mysteries are actually divided into four categories. There's actually 15 subcategories, which are out of control. Too many, please take it down to four. So according to masterclass.com, where master writers were telling you about it, um, there's the cozy mystery. There's the detective. There's the police procedural and then a caper. I feel like I'm a caper gal too. I could go that way as well. Mm, I feel like a, a, yeah. a caper is kind of a point. But and I'm a fan of a few police procedurals too. See, my, to my mom was always really into, she still is, like the police procedurals. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't. As long as they're not too gross. See, that's, that's the thing. They get gross and yes. then they get too suspenseful yeah. and then I can't handle because I'm a wimp. I am an utter wimp. Yeah, I have a hard time with suspense too, especially uh, yes. this year. Yes, yes. 
queen. Okay. So anyway, so in order to fall into the cozy category, you okay. must have the following. You must have quirky, likable characters that are usually not professional detectives or law enforcement professionals. So see, we could do it. We could totally star in Cozy Mysteries, which would be awesome. Um, no graphic violence. So that usually the murder or the crime happens somewhere else. And then like they get wind of it and solve the mystery. Okay. And even if it does happen there, it just sort of like is brushed over. Usually almost always they happen upon the dead body. Right. No like violent encounters. Even like, I love it. There's like, oh, I'm trapped in the well. Oh, there's a lid on the well. Oh, he's going to get me. Oh, oh, hello, officer. Thank you for coming just in time. Two seconds into it. It's, uh, that's why I love it. Because you know, she, right. she's also got 17 more books. So you know, Lucy Stone's coming back. That's what I love. No sex on, on stage or whatever. And no potty language, which some mm. of them, I have found a couple that have gone, you know, straight against that. Right. But for the most part, they all sort of follow that same thing. Because of that, it also means that like, if you have an advanced reader, uh huh. Who is a middle schooler? Pass it to them. There's great. There's no sex. There's no violence. There's no blood. Go solve the mystery. I love it. I think that's brilliant. I think it's great. Um, they usually take place in a quaint setting, like New England, if you will. Um, there's a lot in Minnesota. I just read a great series in upstate New York, and now I want to go to the Thousand Islands. P.S. All I did, mm. I read one that was all about Thousand Island dressing, and I can't stop eating it now. This woman was killing people over the Thousand Island dressing recipe. That's awesome. It's brilliant. I love it. And they're usually told from the detective or the, you know, whoever's solving the crime, the main character's point of view. And usually we meet the perpetrator early on and have no clue. I have to say that for the ones that I read, 100% holds true for 100% on the two books that I read. What do you think? That pretty much describes every British cozy mystery show that I've ever seen from Poirot and Miss Marple and Rosemary and Time, which P.S. is us. Mm, 100%. And Inspector Barnaby and Inspector Lewis all pretty much follow that. Maybe some of those are more, a little bit more procedurals, but pretty close. And then, of course, not to mention... The American ones, like my fave, Jessica Fletcher and Murder, She Wrote. That's even in New England. So there you go. That fits everything. Now I'm going to go back and start watching her now. Oh, my gosh. I love that show so much. And then there's Miss Fisher, the feisty Australian lady. Have you seen the new one with her granddaughter in the 60s? I love that one. So good. Yes. So those are all the TV shows, of course, but they fit into that classification very well. Yes, all the television shows, the reason that I got into them this since this quarantine started is sometimes when you were just quarantining around, you needed a little downtime and you needed something on the television. Mm -hmm. And there's not many things that you can have on the television when you have a six-year-old running around. Yeah. Something that you want to enjoy that you don't also want them to see blood, guts, sex, dirty murder, whatever. And these were perfect. So I think that it makes so much sense that Cozy Mysteries are making their way through the middle grade. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've got some to share today. I'm so excited. Excited. All right. So tell us about yours. What do you got? What middle grade cozy mysteries do you have? The idea of cozy mysteries for middle grade was new to me, brand new. Me I mean, I was really surprised, but I loved the ones that I've read and discovered. Anyway, as you can tell, you know, I'm a bit of an Anglophile. So I went the more traditional route and found some amazing series that were from England for middle graders. Some had murders in them and others had espionage kind of stories, but they all had these beautiful, 
jewel tone covers with fantastic art and everything in them I was age appropriate. Even some of the wording and stuff maybe have been more adult, but the way it was handled was very age appropriate. Age appropriate, would you say lower middle grade or upper middle well, grade? Well, the first series that I was going to talk about, I would say is more upper middle grade. And then the second series is more lower and upper. Either one would probably work. The first series that I discovered is called Murder Most Unladylike by Robin Stevens. Sounds so me. It sounds like if I committed a murder. My mother used to say that to me constantly. Oh, that's not very ladylike. I wish you were a little more ladylike. I'm like, oh, please. I have all brothers. What do you think's going to happen, girl? Come on now. What were you thinking? Yeah, the unladylike part is the, is really the best part about it. And it's very British too. So there are 10 books in this series. And there's also some mini mysteries that go along with the series. But they're all set in the 1930s at Deep Dean School for Girls so British. And the books have two main characters, Daisy Wells, who's basically a mashup of Sherlock Holmes and the perfect English Rose. (laughs) She's described as beautiful with big blue eyes and blonde hair and charming, but also deceptively clever. And then there's the Watson sidekick character. Her name is Hazel Wong, and she's a transfer student from Hong Kong. But they became best friends because they each discovered the other one was really smart, but was sort of hiding it in order to fit in. And so they just had kind of bonded over that, which I thought was kind of fun. That's like us, right? I'm really smart and I'm hiding it. Or not. <laughs> no, probably not. I was going to say, I'm never good at hiding it. If I know something, you'll know. I'm not really smart. So it's okay. It's all good. <laughs> so the stories are told in first person from Hazel's point of view, of course, because they're, they have the, a very strong feel of Sherlock Holmes. In fact, they even mentioned the comparison in the books. So you get, you're getting Watson's perspective throughout all the books, which is fun. Like I mentioned, there are some adult words used in the book from suicide and concubine. Ooh, concubine. Ooh. Love it. I know. It's a little salty. And there is like, they do come upon the dead body, which is described on the page. But it's like I said, it's handled in a very middle grade way of not dwelling. They don't actually see it, right? I mean, they come upon the dead body, but they didn't see the murder happen. They did not see the murder. That's why it's very cozy. Okay. Yes. And, uh, you know, and it's not dwelled upon inappropriately and it's not, there's no gruesome details. They talk a little bit about the dead body because Hazel discovers it and she brings it up a couple of times, but not in a inappropriate way. So um, Hazel also experiences some racism being from Hong Kong and England. Right. But I like the way they handled it because I felt like it was very honest. And then she learns through that process to really stand up for herself. So that I thought that was a good lesson for middle graders. The book I read is the first book in the series titled Murder Most Unladylike, and it was published in 2014. And so that's the name of the series as well. And Hazel discovers one of the teachers dead in the gym, but when she brings Daisy and a prefect back for help, the body is gone. (laughs) Then someone leaves a note saying the teacher has resigned. So the girls realize they're the only ones who know that the woman is dead. And so they start investigating by interviewing students and sneaking into places and observing the teachers. I forgot to mention that when they became best friends at the beginning, they started Wells and Wong Detective Society. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. It's great. So then this is their first big case. Up to this point, they've only done small cases, so... Well, I mean, your first murder. Come on now. That's impressive. Right. And how old are the girls again? Like, they're middle schoolers? Yeah, they're middle schoolers. Yeah. They're fourth form, I think, third form. I forgot to look up the comparison to what it is here in the States because they're not the oldest ones because there's a group of much older kids. And then they're, they and then there's a group of younger kids that they call the shrimps. 
So yeah, they're kind of right in the middle. But I love the unladylike part because mm-hmm. as we all know, well-behaved women rarely make history. That's my, that's my life story right there. Hashtag it. Hashtag it for me, girl. <laughs> I will say it's not on par with like St. Trinian's, which I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that is a very famous British film about a girl's school, which is awesome if you haven't seen it. But um, so it's not quite on par with that, but there is quite a lot of kind of dark humor and getting into trouble in this book. But it was perfect, even though it wasn't like quite up to the level of St. Trinian's. I felt like it was perfect amount of rule breaking and sticking sticking to their instincts for girls who are who would be daring to be unladylike for readers who would be want to be unladylike. I love it. I enjoyed this book and I recommend it, especially if you have an Anglophile middle grade out there who loves murder mysteries mm, and loves England yeah. and things like that. I think it would be a great fit. I will say because of the, there's so many British references such as bun breaks, which is hilarious. That's their breaks that they have in the afternoon for snacks. I think we need a bun break in the school day. I know for sure. I love that. And third form and head girl and all that kind of stuff. And everything has nicknames. All the locations have nicknames. So there's kind of a lot to keep track of. And so that for that reason, I might say that it is more upper middle grade, but not because of anything that's really in it. Uh, the 10th book in this series, A Murder Most un- Unladylike, is called Death Set Sail, and it is just coming out. So it's still happening. Yes. And the author, Robin Stevens, she was born in California, but she grew up in Oxford, and she has a master's degree in crime fiction. How cool is that? Get me one stat. <laughs> I know. Okay. So moving on, the second series I wanted to talk about is called Taylor and Rose Secret Agents by Catherine Woodfine. There are four books in the series, and this is a follow-up series to the Sinclair Mysteries with the same characters by the same author, and there are four books in that series. Um, Again, I think the Sinclair series is a little bit denser, kind of like the Murder Most Unladylike. Did you read any of those? But not the Taylor and Rose, but the Sinclair? I read The Midnight Peacock, and it was really good. That's what they used to call me in high school. Midnight Peacock? (laughs) The Midnight Peacock. It's actually a perfume in the story. So seriously, imagine wearing Midnight Peacock. It's well, and again, it's a historical fiction. All of these are historical fiction. A Murder Most Unladylike is set in, what did I say? The 30s. And then the Taylor and Rose Secret Agents is set in the early 1900s. 1911 is the book that I read uh, is called Peril in Paris. I liked the Secret Agent series a little bit better than the other one, the Sinclair Mysteries, only because the Sinclair Mysteries, like I said, had a lot to keep mm-hmm. track of. And so that's hard for middle graders. Yeah. Yeah. Like it would definitely be upper middle grade, but the Taylor and Rose were fun and they were a little bit lighter and easier to follow, even though they have uh, two, there's two POVs in the story that I read. Okay. So the Peril in Paris book came out in 2018 and it's set in 1911 in Paris during the Grand Aeroplane Tour. So there's planes going overhead, which is kind of cool. It starts in England and then moves on. But the main characters are Sophie Taylor and Lillian Rose, who were detectives in the original series, the Sinclair series. But now they've graduated secret agents for the Secret Service Bureau because they're both 17 now and they're adults, basically. But I don't want that to fool anyone because even though the characters are adults, 
Hearts, which I know is unusual for middle grade. The series is fun and it's perfect for lower and upper middle grades and really anyone. So the book follows two different POVs. One is with Sophie as she goes undercover. She starts out in London, then she goes undercover to Paris. And um, the other POV follows a young royal girl who's a royal in a small Germanic country. And um, she has this unusual teacher that is not a very good teacher. Hint, hint, she might just be a secret agent. Oh. I really liked the way the author played with the POV on this because it made it fun and interesting. And then plus you have the adult character and then you still have a younger character. Um, and but and also if, you, if the reader is familiar with these characters in the series and they're going to be expecting Lily to show up at some time. So it's kind of this fun mystery that starts right off the bat because you don't really know where Lily is. This was a fun book. It was lighthearted. It had uh, cool things about Paris in it. Are there any boys in it? Um, there are secret agent men that are around them, but really it's just them. But it's all the girls, like let the women do the work. And, the, and the detective agency is still going on, I think. So they pull people from that. And the, so there's more espionage in this story and a little less like murder on the page. There is some assassination that has happened in the past. I like how you throw that in. There is some assassination, but you know, it's, it's minimal. <laughs> it's not on the page, so... <laughs> happened whatevs you know also a cool note about the author of these books her name is Catherine Wood Fine and she has a radio podcast called Down the Rabbit Hole that is available on Apple Podcasts and the Times labeled it one of the top 10 podcasts for children so like Harry Potter both of these series have like these very wide cast of characters and a full rich world and I just really enjoyed both of them I thought they were really fun I just think it's hilarious like when we go on our own to pick books they couldn't be any more reflection of us. (laughs) Well, that's the point. Like your little sweet little British mind just comes right to life when you pick your books and like, here you found them exactly what you're looking for. I have one of my books is uh, for inner city kids and another one takes place in Africa. I love that because it shows that there's so much great stuff for middle graders out there. No matter what your as a kid, no matter what your interest is, there's something out there for for you. It's just a matter of like, listening to our podcast so you can find it (laughs) very nicely done hashtag tune in no but it's just a matter of kind of like being led to it or knowing how to find it and that's the hard part until we talked about doing this episode i would have never thought of cozy murders for middle graders i wouldn't have even searched for that ever and when i did search for it there was so much fun stuff out there the problem that i had with it though when i searched it's a lot of white people in the same way that cozy mysteries are a lot of white people but I did find two really awesome books and they, I was so excited. Unfortunately, they're really small. They were really small. But um, the first book that I chose was The Clubhouse Mysteries by Sharon M. Draper. P.S. Sharon M. Draper, I have a crush on you and I love you. And I'm probably going to stalk you because I think you're brilliant and amazing. And your work is out of this world. Sharon M. Draper also wrote, do you remember the book from a few years ago called Out of My Mind? It's about a, a, a girl, she can't talk I believe if I read it years ago like a few years ago when it first came out it has like a fish bowl with a fish out of the water yes on the cover I remember that cover huge bestseller yes. that's her and Stella by Starlight in 2016 that's her and Blended is her new one that's out in 2020 and they're all middle grade and these mysteries were earlier they they were actually from 1994 and then they were re-released again in 2011. When I was on the Simon & Schuster website looking things up today, it looks like they are still selling really well. You don't feel at all for one second that this book took place in a different time period. 
I think that the reason that this book is so hugely successful is because she, Sharon Draper was a teacher for 25 years and she was an English teacher for 25 years. And she was a teacher of the year in, I think it's Cincinnati, somewhere in Ohio. And you can tell because she knows what she's doing. She underhandedly taught me so much in the amount of like a hundred pages. I was like, that's exactly it. That's exactly how it's done. You know what I mean? Like it was just so well done. It's a tiny little book. And there's so much in it, but you don't feel like you got hit over the head with anything. There's five books in the series, in the Clubhouse Mystery Series. I read the first one, The Buried Bones Mysteries. Hello, a bunch of boys find a box of bones. What's not to love there? I mean, you you had me at hello. So all of my books, yet again, are about girls and yours are about boys. Oh, it's about boys. So anyway, there's four boys. Ziggy, he is Rastafarian and he is from Jamaica. And he has this awesome mom who's like, lets him eat, you know, like whatever he wants for breakfast. He has dreadlocks and he's always singing and walking on his hands. And he's just like this funny sort of, you know, everybody loves Ziggy. He wants to be an FBI agent. He wants to join the FB of I, as he calls them. Cute. Um, the other one is Rashawn. And R- Rashawn is like, he's sort of the tough guy. But he's also a vegetarian who gets really grossed out that anyone would eat meat. And he's a Muslim and his dad is a cop. So he's got like all the inside info. Um, Jerome lives with his grandmother and his two two little sisters. So Jerome is always like on babysitting duty. So they kind of have to do everything around Jerome's babysitting schedule. Like when he doesn't have to take care of his little sisters. And Rico is like this like Uber nerd. And my favorite is when they describe Rico, the main character is talking about, well, Rico, he's got, he, he's got a mom who drives a doll brown car and worked in an office downtown where she wore sensible shoes, sensible flat shoes and wrote careful letters to people in other offices. And I was <laughs> like, that is a hundred percent the best description of a mom ever where she wore, she drove a doll brown car and wore sensible flat shoes. And she writes letters to other people. And those are the four boys. They eventually dub themselves the Black Dinosaurs. I love it. That's their name. Um, Their little group is named. They live in Ohio. And the first thing they do is a hot summer day. And they go out and they find out that someone has used his chainsaw to saw down all of their basketball hoops. Oh, how sad. I know, right? And they don't have anything to do. So there's no playground. There's no nothing. They have nothing to do. So they end up finding, like kind of towards the end of Ziggy's backyard, they find a broken down fence and they decide to make a clubhouse. And then once they have a clubhouse, well, of course, you know, once you have a clubhouse, you have to make a club. And that's how they become the Black Dinosaurs. They were going to bring treasures and mysteries and, and or treasures to hide in there. And But while they're hiding their treasures in the clubhouse, they found the box of bones. And they have to figure out what it is or where it comes from. It's a really amazing book. It's just, it's so, I just can't imagine how you can get that much into such a short amount. But we talked a little, I think we talked about the Underground Railroad. We talked about like the Tuskegee Airmen. Jerome shows up with, um, he's got a kalimba for, from his grandmother. So somebody's got a dog named Africa with a K and they have to talk about that. There's so much to unpack in it. I wanted so bad to tell you what happens because you learn so much about slavery in what happens, but I can't. It's just so well done. It's just a great book. I want to get all five of them and keep them for my kids. I think they're really well done. And I, again, I I hate to say it, but Sharon Draper, if you're listening, I think you're amazing and you are my new hero and I want to come over for coffee sometime. Our episodes always take on a stalking theme somehow. (laughs) I feel like it will be like a double whammy though, because doesn't Margaret Peterson Haddock live in Ohio too? Yes, we could just go to Ohio. I have a thing for like these writers from Ohio. I'm coming girls. We'll have tea time. So anyway, and again, the thing about Sharon, Sharon M. Draper's writing 
which I think I just think it's needed needs to be noted in this sort of era of like telling our own stories. She is a writer of color. So she's writing from her voice. And she's a teacher. And she's a teacher, right? It's P.S. The next book in the series, they find a tunnel that ends up hooked to the Underground Railroad. How cool. Fun and like la la jolly book, but you learn a ton. A lot of these cozy murders are set in historical context. And it sounds like yours is set in a more modern context, but they're learning about history. You know, I love new ways of figuring out how to teach kids history. History gets such a bad rap because people think of timelines and boring um, information that they have to memorize. And I just love it when you can bring history in in different ways. For these, what I thought was really interesting, and again, I can't tell you anymore without giving the whole book away, but as they find out about the bones and they learn a lot about escaped slaves on where they live, then they get this like huge history lesson, which I think is so so spot on because, you know, having taught in the Midwest too, there are these kids that are like, well, here I am in this like pretty white area. So I don't really know my own history, but it's here, but that's not what I'm getting in school. So do you think because these are shorter stories, they're better for lower middle grade? Yeah, I would really recommend like that one for lower middle grade, but I'd also use it for a reluctant reader. I would use it for a reluctant boy reader for for sure. And I would use it in with my kids that are struggling with re, with learning issues because there's a lot there. It's really dense. It triggers you to look for other answers. Like, okay, so they keep going on and on about, they have a passcode to get into the clubhouse. You, you have to knock on the door and say the secret passcode. And the secret passcode is Tuskegee, but she doesn't explain what Tuskegee is. Although the boys automatically all knowingly glance and know, except for Ziggy, who immigrated from Jamaica. So he has to figure out what it is. They don't ever tell us anything more about it in the book. So when I'm reading about it, I'm going to be, as a kid, I'm going to be like, well, why is that word important? Mm -hmm. Why is that word so important? And why do these kids know? And why doesn't Ziggy know it? So now I'm going to go to Google and I'm going to, I'm going to Google it and I'm going to find out a whole nother wealth. That's so cool. She's a good teacher, girl. She's a good, she's tricked him. She tricks you into learning. That's what a good teacher does. Or yeah. Or just is creative, finds creative ways to teach. Yeah. The Tuskegee Airmen are pretty famous in our household. We got to meet one once and it was pretty exciting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a picture, actually, I can see it from where I'm sitting of Tuskegee Airmen at the air show in Oshkosh. Oh, cool. Little special place in the heart. I love it that that was their password. And they and they all knowingly looked at each other. That's so great. Right. They all know it. Such a great book. Okay, so the second book, now this is interesting too, because I was like hesitant about this because it is written by a white man. The main character is a black African girl. Okay. But they were these this is from Andrew McCall Smith. And Andrew McCall Smith is like the great Scottish grandfather of the cozy mystery. Like he has written a gazillion cozy mysteries. His most famous um, series is the number one ladies detective agency. And I love them. Have you ever read any of them? I have not read those, but I have heard of them. After like the first five or six, there was, they made it into an HBO series and Jill Scott. Hello. P.S. I love you, Jill Scott, because we're both Philly girls. Shout out to Jill Scott. She, um, she played the main character who is Mama Precious Remote Sway. And she is the main detective. I think the reason I love them when I was traveling to Africa and I did some work in Africa and um, in like 2004, I went to Rwanda to do some work with the American Friends Service Committee for my teaching job. 
and to study the genocide. And when I got there, I was like, oh, everybody was reading these, all the, all the other people that I went with. And I'm like, well, what are these books? So I ended up like reading a ton of these books. I would pass them on because they were really fun. And they're very, very African. Like if you didn't know that some crazy old white man sitting in Scotland wrote these, you would have no idea. Even my, my good friend, Grace, who is from Africa, and she was, um, she read them too. And she's like, yeah, I wouldn't have known. I, I absolutely wouldn't have known because it's exactly when we translate, that's the way that we sound. That's the way that, you know, like the way that everybody I know sounds anyway. So what I chose to do is because I loved all of those, I found out that he'd actually gone back about midway through the series and wrote a series of children's books from Precious Remotesway's point of view about how she became a detective as a child. That's fun. I love prequels like that. I love that. Yeah. So it's, and they're prequels as her, her story as a child for children. That's great. Which I thought was really cool. So, you know, like if your mom or dad are reading these books, then here's one for you too. As a writer, I think that's an interesting thing to explore too, because taking um, stories that are for adults and figuring out how you could um, make them for children, oh, I think that's a great way of doing it. Yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant. So like the number one ladies detective agency, long story short, the main character is traditionally built, meaning she's a very large woman. The women are always kind of in the beginning, they're always kind of like busting on her because she's traditionally built. P.S. As a traditionally built woman, I found great joy in these. So I'm like, I'm with you, girl. I'm with you. I felt a great kinship from the, from the get-go. She's older, a little bit older than marrying age. And she decides that she's going to start a detective agency and she needs a secretary. And she ends up like this very sort of, um, in my mind, she always looked kind of like olive oil, like sort of this very thin, tall, skinny woman who had just gotten out of secretarial college. She takes her on as her secretary. And then she basically becomes her sidekick for the next 20 books. And then in about book, I think it's like the second book, she meets this mechanic in the middle of like her van that she uses to solve the mysteries is always breaking down. And so she meets this mechanic and then they end up getting married and they start another school for men to learn how to type so it's not just a woman's job there's so many great things that they do so there's 20 of those books the 20th one is actually coming out in september i was on his page as well and i think he's up to 22 so there's a lot more coming so to go back and start it all all over again and see where precious came from i it was so fun so precious is a young girl in botswana and she lives with her father think that her mother has died I cannot they don't really mention it I remember like in the grown-up books they talk about why she's always just lived with her father it's got this great sort of woodcut looking artwork in it that's just red and black it's really amazing and um, it's called the great cake mystery so this is what of course why I loved this book from the word go it's a very easy read the sentences are very short and they're very curt and they're very direct and it makes it feel like you're being told a wonderful African folktale. All of the names are clearly from Botswana, but there's a little pronunciation by it, each one when it first comes up. So as a kid, you can be like, oh, I, that helps. Now I know what that means. Now I can see it, you know, and her father's always telling her folk tales, And so that's how it, those are in there as well. Um, which are in the other books, the grown-up books too. So basically what happens is they're at school and the first day that somebody's buns get stolen. Bun break, one of the girl's sticky buns gets stolen. It's, so she goes for snack time and it's gone. And she, so she says there's a thief. And then everybody's like, well, maybe, you know, somebody took it, we'll figure it out, blah, blah, blah. Well, the next day somebody brings cake and the cake is stolen. And they decide that it was stolen by one particular boy who is traditionally built 
So they all blame the fat kid. They all say that the fact the whole school decided that it was the fat kid that stole the cake because the teacher went up to check to say, hey, did you steal this cake, fat kid? And he was like, no, just because I'm the fat kid doesn't mean I stole somebody's cake. And she was like, let me see your hands. And his hands were sticky. But as our darling Precious points out, everybody's hands are sticky after lunch, sister. Mm -hmm. But they automatically decided it was him. So then they were all making fun of him and they were calling him names. So mean. Hello. We got enough problems as fat kids. We don't need that. So mean. He's traditionally built. Thank you. Basically, at the end of the day, our darling Precious decides that she's going to get to the bottom of it. And she does. And then she loved the process so much that she decides she's going to solve some more mysteries later. Nice. And I think it was great. It was a great little prequel. P.S. I would let my kids read the other ones as well. There's nothing. Is this the first in a series? This is the first in the series of Young Precious. There's three of them. And then there's 20 some in the big. And you said you would let your kids read the adult versions too? Yeah, 100%. So it's a great book. I I do love it. Again, it comes into that weird place where we're like, well, you know, he's not an African man. Why is he telling the story? But you also have to look at the fact that he started writing these years ago. Like he started telling these stories years ago. So yeah, those are my two. And I loved them and I, I loved them. And now I have to go back. One of them, I think I stopped at book number 10. And of course, when I went back to look at It's called Tea Time for Traditionally Built, for the Traditionally Built. And I'm like, well, hello. You had me at Big Butts, so I'll be there. But now I have to go back and read those again. Well, those sound like fun. I can't wait to read those. I'll have to check them out. They are fun. And you know what I really love about the the Great Cake Mystery? It's so great to have a different culture that's not so Anglo. Right. Great to see one that's just set in a little village in Botswana and you get all of the smells and sounds and tastes and everything that goes with it. Just so clear and a book for kids. So it's, it's really fun. That's awesome. Thank you. There's some good books. All right. So we're going to take a short break and come back with a little segment called pick six in which we'll give you a little taste of our favorite grown up cozies. Sounds dirty. So, Margie, what are some of your favorite cozies for adults then? Okay, so um, P.S. Picking three is like trying to pick your favorite child. Of course. You should see my notes on this. Somehow I managed to pack in way more than three. So you go. (laughs) You go first. (laughs) So, okay, well, my first one, I have to say the Leslie Meyer books with uh, Lucy Stone. She's our mom on the scene. She's a reporter, but she seems to be the one always solving the crime. Those are my favorites because there's one for every single holiday and they all take place in this little village in Maine. And it seems very home, like home to me. And I love it. And there's like, there's one for every holiday from like flag day to Christmas. And they're just really fun. So those are some of my faves. I just like happened upon these since the quarantine. There's a set of three of them so far. I wish there was going to be more, but I don't know if there's going to be more. And they're by Susanna Hardy. And they are the Greek to me series. And of course, you know, as a Turkish cooking gal, they're so fabulous. They probably border that they're not as uh, cozy as some, but that's probably why I like them the most. What makes them a little less cozy, do you think? Well, her husband's gay and he is having an affair with another tattoo artist down the street. But he's not really in them that much, but that's sort of what takes them into a non, you know, like that she's in this kind of crazy marriage and she can't quite figure out how to get out of. And then she, every straight man that happens upon her way, she's always like drooling over them. 
So that's why I kind of love her. She's like, uh, you know, like the Coast Guard guy that comes in, all she can do is like, look at his butt. And the next, like the sheriff deputy that comes in, she's like, oh, so hot or whatever. But that's the, that's the one thing. Again, it follows every other aspect of it. Their Greek to me series, the first one is called Feta Attraction. They have a Greek restaurant. The Killer Kebab is the one I was just talking about with the Thousand Island dressing. They're all trying to get the recipe for Thousand Island dressing. It's so bad. Oh, those sound fun. They're just so fun. I think that's what I love about them. So that's the Greek to me series by Susanna Hardy. My third one is just, again, like these are definitely, they get a little more risque but i found this i just found out that this these were actually indie books the the writer published them herself on amazon and they have taken off and they are a series called the the misfortune series i've heard of that yeah does she publish them herself go girl that's one category where there's a lot of self-published authors that do pretty well but you can't stop reading them once you start reading them you can't stop and once you have a character that people like you can just keep going with it. Oh, first of all, I should say it's Jana DeLeon, but it's the Miss Fortune series. And Miss Fortune is like like beauty queen. She's she's undercover. She's a CIA agent who gets in trouble and someone's trying to kill her. So they put her under, under like kind of in a witness protection program in uh, Louisiana. And she ends up meeting these three old ladies who are also have a very similar background to hers. And they are solving mysteries. And they are just awesome like the first one is called swamp sniper there's a louisiana long shot i mean they're just hilarious they're hilarious but again the murder never happens where you see it and you know they follow the general rule they do not follow the rule of no profanity that's probably why i like them they're a little raunchy yeah that's the thing for me i don't mind the profanity so much i don't either and my kids i mean god knows they've heard it from their mother so it wouldn't be a shock to them to read it but um but yeah, so that's my third one. I have to say that the the Misfortune series are definitely one of my favorites right now. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah. Um, okay. So in, of course, in keeping with my Brit theme I've got going on here, the Inspector Barnaby Mysteries by Carolyn Graham is one of my favorites book series. Graham is an 89-year-old British playwright. Go, girl. She wrote seven books in this Inspector Barnaby series. Those are the books that are behind the Midsummer Murders TV show. One of my favorite shows, P.S., Love it. And honestly, you know how sometimes you don't like the movie or you don't like the book. These, I enjoyed both of them separately as their own thing because she describes um, Barnaby a little bit differently in her books, but I just, the books were great and they weren't too far away from the actual TV show. There's only seven books in the series though. And of course the TV show goes. There's like 27 seasons I think there's 21 seasons of the TV show at this point. In fact, I was just thinking about going back and starting it over again because it makes me happy. (laughs) I'm at season 13. Don't long. I started at the end though. I started at 21 and I'm going backwards. I think I've watched the series twice now, which is not not something I should be admitting that there's 21 series. And And you know what? They're really long to admit that too, girl. That's they're like an hour and a half. Yeah, they're a long show. But I can have them on when my kids are around and there's no blood or gore. And I like that. Yes, there's no blood or gore and they're sweet characters. But the books are just as great, honestly. So if you want to ever try the books, you should. I recommend it. And then, of course, you know, I mentioned Agatha Christie kind of stuff at the beginning with she is amazing. Um, you have to we have to talk about her if we're going to talk about cozy mysteries. Trying to narrow her down is really hard. I mean, OK, so I've got two old English broads here I've been talking about, but they're so Oh, uh, talented. <laughs> so anyway, Agatha Christie, she passed away in the 70s, but she wrote so many series like Poirot, Miss Marple, Tommy and Tuppence. And I, but I think my absolute favorite of her series are the short stories about Mr. Parker Pine. Mr. Parker Pine. 
I have never read any of these. Isn't that crazy? They're so much fun. They're sh- they're her short story. I can- I really like her short stories. I have to say, in general. I'm totally going to go look some up after this as soon as we get off and I have some wine. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, th- that's a good, these are good ones to read with wine. But anyway, so I don't know if anyone's familiar with Poirot um, and Miss Lemon. The character who is Miss Lemon in those series started out in the Mr. Parker Pine, the same character, and she's his secretary. But he's this older gentleman who's retired and who has figured out that there are only certain types of personalities in the world and certain types of things that humans suffer from. And so he started this agency to help people. And so like the first, uh, one of the the first story is called The Case of the Middle-Aged Wife. Does she have extra weight around her middle and a a sort of surly outlook on life? Because I feel like I know that one. I don't have to read it. And it's basically about how she's bored with her life, you know? And so he helps her rediscover who she is and have some fun. So there's a whole bunch of stories like that. There's a whole collection of Mr. Parker Pine, the detective, but you can get the short stories too. So anyway, they're really fun and clever and really heartwarming stories. And so those are kind of good to read right now, actually, because, and there's not so much murder in those. They're more just about the mysteries created around them trying to, you know, him trying to help people. I love mysteries. I I feel like very, like I'm bitter that I didn't get into them younger. Well, and I also feel like I need to mention Murder, She Wrote TV series because as a child of the 80s, I loved her. I feel like she was one of the good role models for girls at that time, which I know sounds crazy because she was a retired grandmotherly teacher character. I never watched them. I'm Jessica ashamed to Fletcher. say. Oh, you never watched them. You really should watch them. Did you watch them with your parents? Um, Were they into them or is that why you uh, liked You know them? what? I think I watched them more with my grandma, with my grandparents probably. Yeah. Cause see, I watched Knott's Landing with my grandmother cause she's a little trashy. I love her, but she was a little like that with one grandma. One grandma, we watched that. The other one, we watched Lawrence Welk. There was no middle ground. And then I actually watched Murder, She Wrote again when I when when I had my baby. Yeah, because you have nothing to do but binge watch. When you're breastfeeding or doing whatever, yeah, and you can't really move around or do anything. So yeah, I watched those then. And that the intro, just the introduction would like make me so happy. And it's kind of funny because my son still likes that song. <laughs> I can't, I don't want to tell hilarious. him that I binge watched it when he was the baby. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, should we wrap it up? We guess we should wrap it up. All right. Call it a day. Let's Go wrap it up. Time. time for my margarita. Uh, so what's for our next episode? For the next episode of Tulip Mamas, we'll be sharing ideas on how to get your kids creative using the book, The Creativity Project. It's so cool. I, I'm psyched. It's a really, we'll explain it all in our next episode, but it's a really great book that I feel like every teacher should have had. But now that we don't really have teachers in this world, because we don't know where we're going, every parent needs to get it and use it and read it and see the possibilities in it. So, all right. Well, thank you for listening to Tulip Mamas. We really appreciate your support. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at www.2twolitmamas.com where you can sign up to follow our blog. We're also on Facebook under TWO Lit Mamas and on the Insta. That's what we call it. The cool people. Uh, at two, number two Lit Mamas podcast. And if you want to join us twice a month for Kidlet discussions, please subscribe to our podcast through any of the places you get your podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.